Who in here has ever been criticized unfairly? You ever, you ever had somebody come after you? Must have struck a nerve. <laughs> no, anytime, anytime we start to do something that God genuinely wants us to do, when we start pursuing and fulfilling a vision that God has given, we can expect certain things are going to happen. And one of those is we are going to have ridicule and opposition come against us. Now, how it comes against us, there are going to be different forms to it. And to start, one of the things that Satan will try to do first is simply to get us discouraged. If he can say the right words and get us to just quit, why would he use any, you know, why, why waste any more effort? And so every time he's either going to use our own voice, and we'll talk about that in a minute, or he'll use the voice of someone else and come against us and know how to just find the right button. You ever notice that? He knows. You know how he knows? Because Satan has been defeating man from the very beginning. I mean, you go all the way back to the garden and he figured out how to get into our head and get us to defeat ourselves. You notice in the garden, Satan had no power other than what? Words. A lie. Words. That's it. All he could do was just call into question God's goodness and lie. And yet it was enough. And since then, I'm going to tell you something. We haven't gotten any better. Okay, that was, that was the peak. We peaked at Adam. <laughs> okay, that was it. Adam and Eve, that's as good as it was going to get for us. And if they failed, then he's got our number. Now, thanks be to God, we don't have to fight this battle on our own, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But we have to make room in our minds and understand that any time we start doing anything of purpose and value for the kingdom of God, it's going to get Satan's attention, and he's going to come against us. And it will almost always start with ridicule. Just simple ridicule. He'll just start saying the words that he knows we don't want to hear and see if we can get discouraged, see if he can discourage us. And if he can get us to walk away from the work before it really gets going, before it succeeds, he's won. And so today we are going to look at how we stand up to ridicule and discouragement in fulfilling the vision that God has given us in life. Because these are patterns that will repeat themselves over and over you'll probably be able to look at what happens here with Nehemiah and the people of, of the city of Jerusalem and the Jewish people and probably find some parallels to moments in your own life. Moments where, where you knew God wanted you to do something and yet the opposition became more fierce than you thought. You weren't ready for it. It emotionally maybe took a, a larger toll on you than you, you know, initially expected that it would. And yet, within that, you look back and 
you realize God was with you the entire time. And so let's look in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. And it says, Now, when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were being closed, were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So this is where we would say in modern times, it just got real. You know, it was the the honeymoon phase where everybody's excited and they're building and, and wow, look at this, everybody's involved. And it was this exciting moment. And they start building and things start happening. The gates are going in and and the wall starts to be built and they see it happening and it's going around the city and everybody's encouraged. And then what happens? The people who have a vested interest in their failure start to speak up. They see the success that's happening and their success moves their enemies to action. Now some of you in here need to hear this. It was their success that moved their enemies to action. Sometimes people wonder why things are happening in life. Why am I, why is Satan coming after me? Why are these things happening to me? 
and they think they're a failure because it's happening when it's actually the opposite. It's your success in matters of faith that moves your enemy to action. If you were failing God, why would Satan come after you? Now, I want you to think about that. Let that settle into your heart, okay? If you were failing God, why would Satan come after you? He wouldn't. He'll leave you alone. You're doing his job for him. It's when we start making progress in the faith. It's when we start stepping out and doing and obeying the word of God that he decides, well, I have to do something about this. Friends, it is a mark of honor. It is a badge of honor to be on Satan's hit list. Okay? And, and I say that, and it's funny, but I'm telling you, it's true. If hell is not worried about you, then you're not following like you should. It's when we start having that, that opposition that comes against us that we know we're walking according to God. When, when we look back in the Old Testament... Why did Job's suffering happen to him? Was it because he was failing God? Or was it because he was righteous? It was because he was righteous. We have to look in our lives and start to rethink what is success and what is failure. Just because you're going through difficulty does not mean you have failed. And that's one of the things that Satan wants to convince people of. That, well, if you really had it all together, you wouldn't be struggling like this. Now, I know people in here have thought that. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I know you've thought that. You know, if I, you, you look around, you see other people, you think they've got it together. And you think, you know, if I could just get it together myself, then I wouldn't struggle like this. You know what? Your struggle may be because your faith is strong. It may be because you are doing what God said. So, what do we do when Satan starts poking at us? When he starts attacking? Because again, most of the time he's going to start with ridicule and scorn. He's going to try to discourage us with words. What happened here? Sanballat, they heard it. What did he say? He says, what are these feeble Jews doing? He knew they were, had been weak. For 70 years, they've been weak. They haven't done anything. They have just kind of existed, but they've not been a force in the area. They've not been a political influence. They've had nothing. And so now he sees them building. He's like, what are these weaklings doing? And he's, he's calling them things. And then what does Tobias say? He says, you know what, what they're building, it doesn't matter. A fox will jump on it. It'll collapse. What are they doing? They're ridiculing them. And they're doing it in such a way that the people who are building it, and let's remember what they're building. They're building a stone wall, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but carrying big, huge rocks all day, that's going to get tiring. And when you get physically tired, what follows? You become emotionally tired. And they've been working hard. <clears throat> they've been working hard. They've been going at this for a time now. And so, while they see the, the, the work happening... Physically, it is starting to take a toll. They are getting tired. Notice, it's when they start getting tired, they start to talk. Notice, Satan didn't attack right at the beginning when everybody was excited, did he? When did he wait to attack? When they started to get physically tired. 
Why? Because He knows us. He knows how to manipulate us. He knows when we're weak. And so they get tired and they start to, to hear these words that are coming at them. That how terrible the wall is. How weak they are. That they'll never be able to finish. And there's really no point in building it anyway. And they start to hear all of these words coming at them. And what is Nehemiah's response? Well, we see that prayer is the answer for ridicule and scorn. Prayer. Not engaging back in arguing. Okay? Don't argue with Satan. You'll lose. Okay, I mean that. If Satan can ever get us to engage with him, we're, I promise you are engaging on his terms. Eve did it. Guess what? She lost. Everybody who engages with Satan loses. We don't engage with him. You know what we do? We pray and we stick to the word. And we do the work that God has called us to do. And so I want you to listen because this prayer is not kind of that that wishy-washy prayer of, well, God, if it's your will and you want the wall built, then, you know, make them go away, God. What does he pray? Listen to this. Verse 4. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Now, is he being unloving here? Is Nehemiah like being overly harsh with, with all of this? No. You know why? Because it is God's will that the wall be built. We know that. He put it on Nehemiah's heart He moved the king to make it happen. He has moved the people into action. It's happening. He knows this is God's will. So anything that opposes building the wall is what? Sin. It is sin. It is from Satan. It is rebellion towards God. And that means anything that opposes the wall, which means even running your mouth at a point that says, you know what, I don't think it can happen. You know what? Nehemiah says, you know what? Turn it back on their head. And his prayer is that they would reap exactly what they have sown. You know, it's okay for us to pray that way. I think some Christians need to be reminded that we are in a battle. And every time God tells his people to do something, those are orders from our commander. For to, to, to be taken out in the field of battle. And so one of the things that we have to remember, we, we just we have to get this in mind, is that in fulfilling a vision from God, we have to prepare and be ready for the inevitable opposition we are going to face. And that doesn't matter, it may come from within. You ever self-sabotaged? We will. Sometimes we do it ourselves. And sometimes it comes from outside forces. But it's always going to be there. Now, this is one of the things I love, though, is that it's always reactive. God acts, Satan reacts. Which means God always has the advantage. 
Because Satan has to wait to see what God's going to do. And so when Satan reacts, that means God's already started the ball rolling. He's already started things in motion. And so what is Satan trying? He's just trying to stop it. Just try to keep it from happening. Okay, now that I know what you're doing, I've got to stop this. And we see here with the building of the wall, it was actually already almost halfway completed before all of this starts. So there's really no reason to stop. <clears throat> but one of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, we have to remember in John 15, 18, and 19, is we've got to remember this. Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, out of the world, therefore the world hates you. This world is not our home. But it is where we work. You ever had a hostile work environment? Guess what? That's what we are. We are called to work, to do the work of God, to do the things of God in this world that hates us. So you, you got to, we do, every one of us, and, and I've got to get better about this, is every time God tells us to do something, we got to know that He is telling us to advance on our enemy. In some way, this is hurting the kingdom of darkness and spreading the kingdom of God. Do you really think it's going to go unanswered? Satan's not going to give up ground just because we said, hey, move. But God is in our corner. And when he says, do something, you know when God wants something done, it gets done. And the only reason it could be delayed is because we listen to the words of Satan. We listen to that ridicule and that scorn that tells us it can't be done. And we ho-hum about it and we take our time. But here's the thing. This world is not our home, but it is where we work. So we have to learn the skill of navigating a hostile work environment. Do you have that skill? Do you look at what you do for God, how you live for Him? Do you look at that as this is really a matter of life and death? When I obey God... I shine light into the world and darkness does not like that light. And it's going to try to get me to stop. Why? Because he can't overcome the light. You see, darkness cannot overcome the light. So what is Satan's next move? To get us to stop shining it. If he can't beat God, he'll beat his servants who carry out his work. And so with, with that in mind, I want you to listen again to Nehemiah's prayer because it is the prayer of somebody who knows how this game is played, who knows the stakes. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Those first words right there, he's saying, and I know this sounds funny, but they're hurting our feelings, God. And I know we laugh at that, but none of us likes that. We don't. And, and some are tougher at it, some are weaker. But at the end of the day, none of us can stand to have a constant onslaught of ridicule and scorn come our way without it affecting us. 
if you've ever worked somewhere where that happens, you know, you just start dreading. Like every day, you're like, I do not want to go to work. I don't like it. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And, and you, you do. It just starts to bother you over and over and over because it, it, let's just face it, it's like death by a thousand paper cuts. You know, one is annoying. But when it keeps happening after a while, you're just like, that's enough. And that's what's happening to these people right here. And they're doing it in the, in the hearing of the builders who have been laboring and they're tired. And Nehemiah knows what's at stake here. So he says, Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. What is he praying? He's praying that they would experience the very thing that they have, that the Jews have. The Jews got sent to Babylon. They got sent, lost their homeland. They, they don't know this struggle that they're going through right now to rebuild. You know what he's praying? Let them experience what we have. Let them go through this. Because he knows this is a battle. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. Now, no, I, I love this. He doesn't say that this is an offense to the builders, to the people. Who's this an offense to? God. To oppose the work of God is to oppose God, which means you're provoking God to anger. Now, how many of you in here genuinely see your obedience to God as such an integral part of His kingdom that when it's opposed, those people are genuinely opposing God? I think the more we think of it like that, the more we're going to be able to say, you know what, I'm not quitting. They don't get to tell me to quit. I'm not listening to them. And when it comes my way, I'm going to pray that God intervenes. And I'm going to say, God, turn it back on their head. They're provoking you to anger, God. This is about you. This isn't about me. This is about you. They're against your kingdom. You see, over and over in the Bible, we see that from people who are the most faithful to God. David, when, when he stood before Goliath, you know what he said? He said, you're going to know that God is God today, basically. When, when he says, who is this Philistine that comes against our God? Who speaks blasphemies against God? God isn't going to let that stand. You see, he believed that God's will would triumph it just took the person that was willing to step out and do it. Nehemiah believed the same thing. He knew God wanted this wall built. He knew the wall was going to be built. And so he just prays, God, anybody that's... They just, just take them out, God. Anybody that opposes this is opposed to you. So you take them out. And so... Are we willing to pray like that? Are we willing to look at the work of God as that important that we can say, God, you be against the people that are against your kingdom. And we leave it at that. See, they didn't engage with, with all of these people. They didn't go out and argue with them and say, you know what, you should repent. You should do better. You shouldn't be like that. That's mean. They didn't do what did they? They ignored them. But they did pray. There's a reason Jesus said, pray for your enemies, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. Prayer is the answer for discouragement. 
We've got to keep our heart focused on God and not on the ridicule and scorn that come our way. Because when we ignore that, there's a new level that's going to happen. You see, if, if, if Satan cannot get us to stop through simple words, what he'll, he'll actually come against us then. Listen to verse 7 through 9 again. In chapter 4. It says, But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites. Now, that's five different groups of people. You notice the opposition's building. There are more and more people that are looking going, I don't think I like what I see here. And it says they heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed. They were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. You see, when we face direct opposition, we've got to take it up a notch too. We pray against ridicule and scorn. When we face direct opposition, we pray and we guard against it. We set a guard within our own hearts. Now, how does this work today? Because, we're, you know, this was obviously a real guard with, you know, a real sword and a real bow and, and people who were really going to physically fight. Most of us don't face that kind of challenge today, but our world is still designed to, but because Satan is the prince of the power of the air, by design, it is there to oppose the work that God wants us to do. Difficulty. Things that actually have to be overcome now. Not just mental blocks, not just emotional things, but actual opposition that has to be overcome. And so, what we have to do is, again, we start with prayer. What did it say? It says, we prayed... And we set a guard. Now, here's the thing about the guards. These guards will not stop or hinder the work of God at all. The building of the wall will not be hindered one bit by these guards that are sitting there. The joy and the ability of the people to serve and to build that wall will not be hindered in any way. The work of God will not be stopped because of this guard at all. What is the guard doing? Ensuring that that work can continue. The guard is standing against those forces that would stop the work of God. Physically stop it. They will protect against the enemy's attacks. Okay, and that's what it says. It says notice it says, Nehemiah set up the guard as protection against them day and night. You know what that means? They couldn't let up. It reached a point now in this struggle. The wall is now getting up to halfway built. I mean, things are happening. They know that the window is closing to stop this thing from happening. Okay? And so as the, as the time gets shorter, the wall gets higher, the enemy's advances become stronger. And now they are threatening them with actual physical attack. We'll go in attack. We'll attack the workers. We'll create confusion and we will make sure that nobody can work because they're afraid, because they're injured, or because they're so confused and the city's in chaos that nothing, everything just grinds to a halt. Now, right here where he tells us it will cause confusion in the city, they are under no 
pretense is that they are going to destroy the city and kill everybody in there. That's not their goal. What is their goal? Cause confusion. Cause confusion. Now, I have firsthand seen how Satan can cause confusion in a church like this and things just grind to a halt. I've seen how Satan can attack in those moments and just cause confusion and, and people leave and other people stay, but they don't know why they're there. And, and the work of God literally grinds to a halt because you're expending so much energy fighting this confusion in life that you can't do anything else. And that's what they wanted to do. And, and so they couldn't let up. They had to set a guard day and night. They had to be vigilant to protect against those things that would stop the work of God. Now, I want you to think about this. There is no engaging the spiritual battles of today part-time, just like they couldn't set a guard during the day and then let them go to sleep at night. There is no part-time battle. And the guards that we have to set have to be the kind of guards that protect us from Satan's attacks in this world. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart. Okay, some, some translations say guard your heart. Guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. When the heart gets damaged, the life shows it, doesn't it? When a person gets discouraged, they don't just get discouraged in one area of life, do they? What happens? Kind of give up. You know, they may live and they may exist, but, but they don't have that zeal. They don't have that energy that maybe they had before. They, they give up. They struggle through life then. Because the confusion that has landed within them has clouded everything. And I mean, it just clouds everything. It's like a dark cloud just settles over and won't go away. And so the guards that we have to put in our own lives to accomplish the will of God are the guards that protect our heart. Now right now, I hope you've noticed... I hope you can see clearly right now in life how much of our world is designed to wound the human heart. Have you seen that? Our, our media, so much, so much is just there simply to cause confusion, just to wound the human heart so that we don't prosper. Why? Because Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He is the puppet master in this world. For now, he is the puppet master. This is God's world. But for the time being, until Jesus returns, Satan is the one pulling the strings of the systems. And the systems are designed to oppose the work of God. To make you feel like it can't happen. To make you feel like you're wrong for standing up for the things of God. To make you feel guilty for praying a prayer like Nehemiah did, that no God, you go after those who are against your kingdom. See, some of you twitched when when we read that prayer and you thought, man, that's harsh. 
Because in your mind, you feel like to be a Christian means that we never actually engage or fight. We just, we just love and we just pray that God just, just makes everything work out. And if God wants it to work out, it'll work out. You know what Nehemiah said? Forget that. We've got a wall to build. And they're going to come against us. They're provoking God to anger, and I'm going to pray that anger's unleashed on them so that we can build our wall. You know, he wasn't trying to take over the Arab. He wasn't trying to fight. He wasn't fighting them individually. He understood the spiritual principle of we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He saw that, but he also saw the truth of what they were doing, and he prayed against it. God, I pray you turn this back on their own heads. And so, I want to ask you, what are you feeding your heart in this world? Are you guarding it? Or are you allowing it to be abused by a world where Satan is the prince of the power of the air? What does your life show? Keep your heart with all vigilance. What is vigilance? That's day and night. It means you don't let up. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So what are you feeding your heart? What, what safeguards do you have in place to protect your heart? Have you ever really given this much thought? You see, Satan would love for us to just kind of flow through life and never really think about what we consume and what, what we allow into our minds and our hearts and, and how we process things. And do we guard our hearts with vigilance? And so I've got, I've got three things that I want to uh, encourage you to do. And that is one, fill your heart with the love of God. And when I say fill your heart with the love of God, I mean... Look to the cross. Look to Jesus. Understand, God loves you so much that He sent His one and only Son to die on the cross so that you could be with Him. God's love for you will never change. On your worst day, He doesn't love you any less. And on your best day, He doesn't love you anymore. Because God's love is perfect and it is found only in Jesus Christ. And you Focus on that above everything else that you are loved by God. Fill your heart with the love of God. And you know how we know when we filled our heart with the love of God? This is great. You're going to love this. We start loving other people like God loves us. We start sharing that love with other people because it overflows. Why? Because guard your heart for from it flow the springs of life. Well, if you, have a, if you have the living water in your heart, what's flowing out? Fill your heart with the love of God. Fill your life with the people of God. Notice Nehemiah did not invite the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites and Tobiah you know, and, and Sambalah. He didn't invite them to come help. Why? Because he knows they're not going to help. Who did he have come do it? The people who were the people of God. He didn't confuse the two. Fill your life with the people of God. And then finally, fill your mind with the Word of God. And I mean fill it. Study it. Memorize it. No, this is not a contest to see who can memorize the most Scripture and you know, Bible drill. Who remembers Bible drill? 
the digital age kind of killed Bible trails. <laughs> Fine. Nehemiah, okay. <laughs> Got it, you know. Kind of killed Bible drill. But when we fill our mind and our life and our heart with these things, we will recognize the attacks of the enemy when it comes. And we'll be able to stand up against it. Now I want you to think, what will it take for you to do these things with consistency in your life? To fill your mind with these things. Because we have to set guards against the things that will stop the work of God. Some guards are against ourselves. Pride. Selfishness. We've got to set up a guard in our own heart against ourselves. Do you know that? You've got to set up a guard against yourself. And the only way to do that is through the Word of God. That is the only way. Truth is the only thing that we can do there. And then, some guards are against the world. Temptations, corrupting influences, toxic people. Sometimes we've got to set up a guard around us and say, you know what? You don't get to be a part of my life. Because you stop the work of God from within me. And so guard your heart. And then, when fear and discouragement become real, and they do, when fear and discouragement become real, we find that truth overcomes fear and discouragement. It takes truth. And it takes the full truth. Now listen in verses 10, 11, and 12. Because this is where a deluge of discouragement and everything comes at them. Okay, all at once. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. Notice what they're focusing on. They're not saying, wow, look at what we've accomplished. The wall is halfway built. It's closed up. Wow, we've really done a lot in a short time. What are they saying? There's too much rubble. They're starting to get discouraged. They're tired. And when we're tired, we start to see only the negative. And they said there's, just, there's too much rubble. By ourselves, we'll not be able to do this. Never mind, they've already halfway done it. But they're starting to convince themselves that they can't. Then what? By ourselves we're not be able to. Verse 11, And our enemies said, They will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. So they're being threatened. And then, because of the threats, verse 12, At that time the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, You must return to us. So the people that live on the outskirts, what this is, is they hear the threats, they see the people out there, the armies, they see the, the people preparing for an attack, and they come in they're like, You've got to come protect us. You've got to leave the work and come protect us because we're about to die. And all of these happen at the same time. People started getting tired saying, we can't finish this wall. People uh, uh, started saying, uh, there, there's too much rubble. And, and then the enemy's saying, we, we have to do this and we're going to attack. It's just all coming at once. Have you ever felt like that where it's just like so much happens at one time you can't possibly imagine a way things are going to go forward? And then, what does Nehemiah do? It says he makes each clan responsible for protecting the weakest parts. In verse 13, so in the lowest parts of the space, behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans. So all the people that came in and said, hey, we're scared, what do we do? You know what he did? He gave them something to do. 
get your sword, get your spear, get your bow, and you go stand and you watch and you protect your family. And he set them up by their clans with their sword, their spears, and their bows. He shores up the weak spots and then he does something amazing. You know what he does? He preaches a sermon to them. He brings them the truth. Because truth is what is needed when we become afraid and we become discouraged and we start to see only the negative. What is the only cure for that is truth. Notice, you don't read about prayer in this moment. And it's not because praying has failed or anything. It's just we've kind of moved beyond that something needs to happen now. And when fear and discouragement genuinely grab hold of a person... It's almost like we can't pray them out of it, but we can truth them out of it. And so what does Nehemiah do? It says, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who was great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Now, it's a short sermon. I could probably learn something from it. But notice what he does. He brings them right back to the truth. He says, look, God is in this. Remember, look at every... You know, he could list off all the accomplishments. He could list off everything that's happened. But he just says, look, remember God. He's awesome and mighty. You're not doing this by yourself. And then he says, do not be afraid of them. And then he tells them to fight. Fight. Now, does that mean that he wants to rush out and attack all these people? No, the fight is to finish the, the work of God. The fight is in being faithful. We don't fight Satan by facing him head on. We fight Satan by obeying God. His fight is to get us to stop. So what do we do? We fight to keep going. If his fight is to get us to stop, our fight is to keep going. Don't stop. And what he does, he lays out exactly what's on the line here. What is the truth? The truth is they're fighting for what? Your, your nation, that's your brothers, your nation, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. You want to flourish? Then pull it together and keep working. Don't stop. Don't stop. You see, Satan wanted to freeze them with fear. And the only thing that could stop that is the truth. And a call back to faithfulness to be strong in the Lord and be faithful. And so two questions to finish out today. One, where is Satan trying to freeze you with fear? What fear has kept you from doing the things that you know God wants you to do? Maybe there's one thing, one thing that in the back of your mind you know maybe a long time ago God told you you need to do this and, and somehow you've just convinced yourself not to do it. You've listened to fear. You've given into it. You've not done the, what God has told you to do. And then also what prayers, guards, or truth do you need to overcome that fear? This week, answer these two questions. And you'll find where it is that Satan's been attacking you. Where you need to guard your heart. And where it is that God wants you to be faithful. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for today.
And God, I thank you. God, I thank you that you've given us the examples that you have in your scripture, God, in history. The way you have worked through people, God, we thank you for that. And Lord, we pray that we learn the lessons you want us to learn. And Father, as we rebuild here at Grace Family Fellowship, God, I pray that, Lord, that we would get that attitude of Nehemiah fighting, of praying against everything that would stop the work of God from proceeding. God, that we would fill our hearts with with your love, that we would fill our lives with your people, and God, that we would fill our minds with your truth, because the truth sets us free. God, I pray nobody in here today leaves this place discouraged. God, I pray that they would leave ready to follow, to obey, despite the fear, God, that your truth would overcome that. And God, that you would bless obedience. Father, it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.